0: Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. On today's episode, we have James Bracken, founder of the You Can Too podcast and a very good friend of mine that I had the privilege of meeting in a mentorship group. And this has been a long time coming. So I'm super excited to have James on the show today. James, how are you
1: doing? Man, uh, I'm doing well, man. It's great to be with you, man. It's great to, to chat. I know we're gonna provide a lot of value for a lot of people and it's always great catching up to begin with. So I'm glad to be here, brother.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have you on the other side of the microphone this time instead of you you being the one asking the question. So uh, let's dive in, man. So I know everybody talks to you about this, but you're a young guy, man. I mean, you started investing in personal development and your own growth at, at a super young age. Tell us, when did you start investing and, and kind of what was the motivation behind you getting into this world? Like, why did you find a need to do that at such a young age? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause
1: a lot of people always ask, like, how'd you get the confidence to do that? And I always say that it wasn't the confidence to do it. Like the confidence came after I did it. Um, because the, the investment into yourself is it just forces you to look at yourself through a different lens. Um, so when I was 17, I tore my labrum. I was, you know, the story I always tell is two weeks in a recliner, taking oxys every few hours, not knowing anything that I was going to do with my life, had never known anything about personal development, never read a book in my life. Uh, I took a lot of pride in that, truthfully. When I went through high school and school, I'd never read a book. And then I started to find books. I think the first book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, completely changed my perspective on becoming, you know, my uh, self-employed or whatever that may be. And uh, just inspired me to read more, more and more and more and, and, and dive deeper into the space. And then uh, I listened to a podcast as uh, our first mentor, Um, and at the end of the podcast, it was talking about becoming a coach and I had no idea what a coach was. I just knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to make money and I knew I wanted to make my own hours. And so I hopped on a sales call. And, uh, like I just told you a minute before this, that I got sold like crazy, had no idea what I was getting myself into, but my intuition was telling me yes. And I think there's a big difference between your intuition and anxiety. And a lot of people listen to the anxious voice that wants to play scarce and, uh, think short term. It's an urgent kind of energy. And my ambition and my, uh, my intuition was kind of telling me like, this is a really long-term play. Like I'm not trying to get results right now, but I feel like this is going to move me to where I want to go. And I invested more money than I had
0: and and just forced myself to, to make a change. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I I know people of all ages that that have fears and concerns about investing any sort of money into themselves. So to get to that point at 17 years old, where I believe the number was, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was like 7,500 bucks. I know I had nothing like that at 17 years old. So to listen to a podcast and, and choose to invest that money into yourself, that must have been at some level something that you were, I'm sure, confident about in the process, but afterwards had this feeling of like, what did I just do? Yeah,
1: the I, I say to this day that that was the most anxious I feel like I've ever been in my life was I It was uh, I did it in a three pay. So it was $2,500 because I didn't even have four grand in my bank account, man. Like, I don't know how I was going to figure it out, but I knew that I had to figure it out because I put myself my back against the wall. So I put a down payment of $2,500. Like, that's a car, dude. Like, that that, that, that made it, uh, it terrified me. And so it forced me to show up, man. Like, I, I think within 30 days, I contracted 10K with, with clients. And so I used the money that I got from clients to pay off the investment that I made into the program in itself because I, I I didn't even have it, man. I worked at Dick Sporting Goods at the time. I think I was making 15 bucks an hour. Like, there was no way I was going to be able to pay for that. That was months of of income.
0: Wow. And then as you get into coaching and, and you're 17 years old, and this is all new to you, you haven't really read any books, you, you kind of just recently got into personal development. Like, how did you start finding clients? Like, who were your people? Like, what was your ideal demographic at that point being so new into, into your business?
1: Yeah, the one commonality I find is that there's no demographic that I shoot for. I think the one cool thing that me being young is that I'm able to resonate with people that are 20 and I'm able to resonate with people that are 40 and I'm able to provide a different perspective that most people aren't able to because a lot of people are very narrow in their thinking. I feel like the older people get, the more narrow and the more um, secure they want to be in things. And so they don't take the shots towards going towards something that they could actually create for themselves. I think of it in the sense of people play not to lose instead of playing to win. And I bring out the mindset of we need to play to win here because that's the only way we're actually going to move things forward. And yeah. so there was no real demographic. It was just more so the only thing that I truly cared about was am I posting every single day? Because the thing that I cared about wasn't even getting clients. It was just getting past the fear of other people's opinions because wow. I cared so much about, you know, I'm 17. Everyone's going to college or getting in a trade and I'm starting a life coaching business at 17. Like I didn't even know what I was doing, man. It makes no sense to me even to this day that that I did that. Um, and so it wasn't that thought. It was just more so, reaching out to people, seeing how I could provide an ear and, and bring, uh, bring up, bring a different perspective. And as we both know, coaching isn't having the answers, but it's asking the right questions. And I've always been able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And, and that's a good point. Cause I didn't even think about it that way. The, the youthful energy that you bring out of people. I mean, I feel it even when I get the chance to talk to you, it, it's always this sense of coming back to kind of baseline. Right. It's like you're born with no fears or inhibitions. And I think you're hundred percent right in that sense of the older you get, the more you play, you play safe. And I think, again, that that's a very powerful thought. I mean, it's actually giving me chills. The thought of me being 40, 50, 60 years old and, and working with somebody in their, you know, 17, 18, 20 year old range. Right. It's like if I could look back and I could, I could put myself back in that youthful energy, there's that sense of like, what can I accomplish? And I think that's a really, really powerful thing that you bring to people. And now you're at a point too, where you have, your podcast has over 200 episodes. I think today you told me you launched, what was it? Mm 2.11. And now you're interviewing some of the top speakers, New York Times bestsellers, people that have achieved the level of status that most people only dream of. So how do you go from being that you know, kind of scared and timid 17 year old kid investing every dollar he has into a coaching program to now being 20 years old with over 200 episodes, almost 200 fully five star reviews in your podcast to meeting with and interviewing some of the top speakers and and writers in the world. How do you you get to that?
1: Focusing on direction and not the results is the thing that I always go back to. Like, it sounds great, right? I have 200 episodes. I'm meeting with Seth Godin, uh, Benjamin Hardy. We were speaking about a bunch of just authors that I've looked up to for years and the thing that I always think about is I started my podcast in my car, like no interviews. It was solo episodes, dude. Like I remember the first episode I ever created, I, I scripted every single word out, man. Like I was so, so diligent about being very intentional about what I was doing. I edited like nobody's business and that's all I did, man. Like it, there would be days when it would be freezing outside and I would go and record an episode in my car because I need I didn't have a microphone at the time. I wanted it to be quiet. And it was so cold, I couldn't have my air on because it would mess up the the recording. So I'd record an episode, I'd go back inside so I can get warm, I'd go back outside. And the same thing when it was hot out, like I would leave my car sweating, recording a podcast because I cared so much about it. I felt like something was coming out of me. I felt pulled towards something instead of being pushed towards it. And I think that's the thing is people need to go towards things that they feel compelled to go towards. Um, I had an entrepreneur on my podcast, he sold his business for, I think $200 million in, in his late 50s. Um, early 60s and he said that the one thing that he always relied on was just going towards things that he felt compelled towards didn't matter if he felt like he had the talent didn't matter if anything else if he felt compelled to go towards it he did it and so the same thing for me is uh, the thing that I was always thinking about when I was recording in my car was speaking with Benjamin Hardy and speaking with Seth Godin like I know that's the direction that I'm going in doesn't matter if the results that I have or or what I want but that's a direction and that's what matters
0: yeah, that's that's powerful. And then after you had these episodes, right, I'm sure there was a feeling of imposter syndrome, right? Reaching out to these people and just, hey, who am I, right? To to network with these people, and now it's become such a regular part of you. Do you feel like it's something that that friction has kind of gone away? Do you feel like you still have that imposter syndrome as you're sitting across the the camera from them and asking them these questions? Like, what's how, how has that changed for you? I think imposter syndrome is a good thing.
1: Um, and that's something that me and me and Seth Godin actually spoke about on my, pod, my podcast because I wanted his perspective, like 21 international best selling author, like one of the best authors of all time, in my opinion. And to see him on a podcast with me and him talking about imposter syndrome is though he's an imposter coming on my podcast because he's never had a conversation with me before. Mm. And so that's the exact way that anyone else looks in life. Like something that I tell clients so often, this really resonates with a lot of people is that if you're not feeling imposter syndrome, you're not getting out of your comfort zone. If you're not feeling imposter syndrome, if you don't feel like an imposter, you're not putting yourself in positions to grow. And so you're trying to play safe. It's back, like I said, a minute ago is that we are playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And that big perspective shift is like, if I'm not feeling like an imposter, that should be a signal that I need to go and get myself uncomfortable. Um, And so that's why I'm doing two interviews a week now instead of one is like, I want to continue reinforcing and giving myself proof for why maybe I shouldn't feel like an imposter, but putting myself in, in
0: positions to feel like an imposter. Yeah, that's huge. And, and with that, it, it really made me think a lot about the just the formula of momentum, right? If you're doing two a week and, and you've constantly been raising the bar in terms of the quality of guests that you're reaching out to, how has that momentum helped you, right? And like, why is it important that you keep that going and you're doing two interviews a week regardless? Because I'm sure there's some weeks where you feel like just kind of kicking back and maybe not doing that. But what, how has that momentum helped you to continue to propel your your vision?
1: Yeah, I think the the momentum is something really big because when you feel, I go back to feeling compelled towards something. A lot of people are waiting for the motivation to do something, but if you feel compelled to go towards something, the motivation is there. Like there's no, there's nothing like I wake up 5.30 every single morning. I'm running to the gym. That's the first thing that I do. And that gets me propelled for my day. I feel compelled to get up and go do that. I never feel like it. And most things you're not going to feel like. There's definitely weeks that I don't feel like recording a podcast. It gets later in the day. We're recording at 5 p.m. And I'm up at 5 in the morning. And, you know, 5 p.m. is is earlier in the day for them because they're in a different time zone. Like, I don't feel like doing it then. But I know that the conversation, how I feel after the fact is what matters most. I don't think about how I feel before it. I feel how, how am I going to feel after it and so I, I always think, man, it goes back to the, the direction over the results kind of thing. Like I may not be getting the results. I may not getting the views. I may not be getting the sponsors, whatever it comes down to. But if I'm moving in the direction that I want to go in, I'm always thinking 10 years instead of one year or 10 weeks, you know, it's, it's a, it's a much longer perspective than a lot of people take. Yeah. I mean, and again,
0: the beauty of starting as early as you did is you have so much time on your side, right? It's like investing. It's just compound interest. The earlier you start and the more you tackle these demons, and that's what I hope people take from this podcast episode is it doesn't matter if you're 17 and, and you started when James did, or you're 34, like I am, or you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, at the end of the day, th- there's always time. Yeah, obviously the earlier, the better. But again, if there's something you pull from this episode, it's that you don't have to be ready. You don't have to feel ready to take action, right? You feel that, you, you feel that sense of, of motivation after you take that action. So where do you go from here, right? You're 200 plus episodes into your podcast. You're building some really good traction. Do you want to start doing events? Like you're thinking 10 years down the road, paint a vision of what the you can to brand and, and like, what does this look like? Where where are you going to be in the next five to 10 years with this? Yeah, I always,
1: I, I, I feel like I struggle with vision to some respect and simply because you know, one of the people, and I I don't remember exactly who it was, but brought a perspective in for me that I really needed to hear. And it was that he wishes he smelled the roses more. Mm. Uh, I spoke with a lot of really like, not just best-selling authors, but people that are in their seventies and eighties having a conversation with me. And I'm really taking this in because I'm young, right? Like I need to, I want to hear their perspective. I want to hear the things that they spent a lot of time on that. I shouldn't spend a lot of time on the things that they wish they did differently, all of that kind of stuff. And that's one commonality that I find from everyone is that they wish they smelled the roses more. Like no one gets to the end of their life wishing that they worked more. Or they they achieved said goal, but didn't feel good about it. Mm. And so as much as I want the external success and I want to continue moving forward and, and build an amazing brand and amazing life, like if I don't feel good about myself at the end of the day, that's all I really care about. Yeah. And so when I think of five, 10 years down the road, I just want to feel as good as I feel right now. Um, I love waking up every single day. I love getting to do what I get to do, talking to great people. And if I can uh, monetize that even more than I already am, well then that that's great. Um, but, but I'm not going to put myself in a position to place labels on the external goals that I want to get to and miss out on what I am because life is what's happening while you plan for the future. And, uh, I think that's an important perspective to take.
0: You're a powerful person man. I'm grateful to have you in my network. And and do you feel like when you're when you're more present and you're focusing on things like that do you feel like opportunities are just more drawn to you? Like what's what do you feel like the benefits are of you being more present and not being so focused on 5 to 10 years from now?
1: Yeah, I think the the thing that I think about is that uh luck volume negates luck is the best way to see it. Is that when you focus on the actions that you take instead of the results that you want, you're going to take more action because you're not focused on the external result. And so that's the thing that I'm always thinking about. Like, what's the things that I'm doing every single day that I get lost in, that I don't I don't even think about what's gonna happen tomorrow because I feel like every day is a life in itself. And so if you treat it like that, not only your opportunity is gonna come your way, but you're so focused on taking the action that you're probably in an opportunity that you can't even see yet. Like, I'm not thinking about the results that I want tomorrow, but I'm thinking what I'm gonna do today, I may not see those results for three three months down the road. And that's perfectly okay. But being intentional about that and actually being where I'm at Absolutely. Um, Because I think way too many people take action. They lack patience and they lack the ability to really show up enough times to create the results. They start, they stop, they start, they stop. And if you just keep going and get lost in that, it's, it's a flow state you live in and there's nothing better than that.
0: Yeah, I think that brings up the topic of commitment. And I think you really, uh, I think you do a good job with that. And and is it just, again, is a part of that your age? Is it the fact that you feel like you just have so much time? Because again, I I think to myself back at 17 to 20 years old in that range from when you started to where you are now. And I felt like that was the time where I just wanted to try everything. And it Mm -hmm. feels like you're so focused and it's like you found that thing and you're putting yourself out there and you're staying so committed to it. But the advice commonly people, people hear it at your age is try everything. And I think people confuse that with actually being committed to something. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm still trying things, right? Like I'm still putting myself in positions to be surrounded by other people. But I, I find that I, I, I go back to feeling compelled towards something, man. Like I, from the beginning, before I even started my podcast, before I even started the coaching business, like I joined uh, the, the mentorship that we joined thinking that I was going to become a podcaster. Coaching was like the second, even though that was the main intention of of going into it, simply because I knew that the person that hosted it was one of the biggest podcasters in the world. And so I was like, I need to be surrounded by someone that's in the position that I want to be in. And so the thing that I always think about is, like, I felt compelled to go towards this. If you feel like you're being pulled towards something rather than being pushed towards it, that motivation is just, it's an intrinsic motivation instead of looking outside of yourself thinking, what can I do to push myself to show up? I wake up excited every single day. Like I truly could not imagine where I'm at right now. If I think back three years ago from when I started the coaching program. And so I love what I do uh, to be able to speak with great people. And I'm just very curious. I'm so curious. And I just want to ask questions to people that are in a different position and hopefully provide value to other people in that journey. And of course, outside of that, I'm going to do things that I'm uh, I'm curious in and expand my horizon and see what else I can and learn and try new things. But when you're committed to something, it's, there's a big difference between being committed and interested in something. And I've been committed
0: from the beginning. Yeah, that's fire. That's amazing. And then in terms of the questions, right? Because I've listened to so many of your podcasts and I think you do such an incredible job when you meet with people. Is it scripted? Is it stuff like, do you take time to think through these questions or is a lot of this stuff because it just, it feels very organic. Is a lot of this stuff when you get on with these people and you have these conversations, is it just fluid and and you just trust your gut. You just go with the dialogue of the conversation. Like how much prep work do you put into this is really something I've been personally curious about listening to your to your episodes for a long time now. I definitely
1: put a lot of preparation to if I'm honest with you, man. I um I treat it as though like If I was getting this, I'll use an example. I had a a guy named Chris Doe on my podcast. He's one of the biggest designers, has uh, millions of followers on YouTube and and all that kind of stuff and massive business. If you look on his website, an hour of his time is worth Mm $5,000. I got an hour of his time to talk to him on a podcast. And so whether that's a, a coaching session or whatever that looks like, I'm getting an hour of this person's time that's worth $5,000. And I can bet you that multiple other authors and entrepreneurs that I've had on my podcast, their time's worth even more than that. And so I treat it exactly like that. I'm gonna put hours of preparation and thinking about the questions that I wanna carve, listen to past podcasts that they've been on and not ask the questions that they've already been asked because I wanna make this different. I wanna make this the, an experience that they get off. And exactly what you just said is like, this was really organic. Like I've hopped off many podcasts that this was the best podcast that I ever done. And they've been on hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. And that's exactly what I want to get out of people is I want to stand out in a way that I, I put the effort in and I, I actually care about your time. Cause I find so many people just hop on and just kind of put things together. But at the same time, there's so much that comes with a podcast that, we go down rabbit holes that I don't expect to go down. And that's usually when the most value comes out of it. But I also want to make sure that I'm prepped to the point where, you know, I, I'm, I may not get another opportunity to speak with Seth Godin, or I may not get another opportunity to speak with these people. So I'm going to do my best to, to be prepared for it for sure.
0: That's awesome. And, and, you have a pretty unique strategy of, of getting in touch with these people, right? You and I pre-show, we're kind of talking about the concept of the third door, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, kind of the route less taken, if you will, to get in touch with some of these people. And I also think, and maybe this is a little bit of a two-part thing you can dive into that, but also podcast is still a little bit of a buzzword, right? Because I think most, I forget the stat, but I think it's most podcasts never make it past like seven episodes or something, right? So for you to be, you know, almost 30 times that at this point, Maybe you could just help us for the person listening to this that wants to put themselves out there a bit more, whether it be a podcast or social media or whatever, wants to connect with some higher level people. Can you just touch on for us the concept of the third door and then also maybe your strategy in in leveraging the podcast to connect with some of these people that you otherwise wouldn't be able to unless you paid them $5,000 for an hour of their time?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, man. So the third door for people that may not be aware is many people want to walk in the front door and it's real crowded. Everyone wants to be in someone's DM that has a million followers on social media. They're not going to be able to see that most times. Sometimes they will. So I'm going to shoot that anyway. However, that's not going to be the only route I go. There's a back door that a lot of people are also going to try to get in. And that may might mean a website or a LinkedIn, whatever that looks like an alternative place to get to them. And then there's the third door, the side door that many people may not even be aware of. So that might look like an assistant of someone's. That might look like finding their email by looking deep, deep into some kind of website or just finding some way to go through it. And the, the commonality that I find with most people is that the reason that they're not able to get the guests that they want is because they don't believe they can get the guests that they want. And so if you don't believe that you can do something, your behavior is going to reflect that. I've had so many people reach out to me. How are you getting this guest gone? How do you reach out to people? And my answer is always the same. I reach out. That is it. I just put the work in that most people aren't willing to put in and so i position myself and already if if they find me on instagram and linkedin and twitter and their website and i'm emailing them and i've reached out to them four different times through four different areas one's probably going to get through but most people think i'm just going to shoot the one and hope for it but as I said earlier, is volume negates luck. You put enough effort in, they'll probably see it. And I'm following up this month, and then the next month, and then the next month. And if they don't see it, that's fine. But you got to think people aren't always looking at their their emails, or they're not always looking at their DMs. So if you send one and they don't see it, reach out next month, resend the same exact thing that you're gonna send, and they're probably gonna see it. I think that's so valuable because I think for many people, they just they, they 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 post or they they put it out there and they hope. Um, and I just think. When you just put the work in, you'll find a way to to make it happen. And I feel like that's that's always been it. And the way that I think about it is it's not if I'm going to get the person, but it's when I'm going to get the person. And when you go in with that mindset, no one's going to deny you.
0: Yeah. And in terms of you understanding your own niche, right, you bring a very valuable demographic of people to to some of these more experienced authors and speakers, right, that are obviously not 17, 18, 20 years old, Right. Have you taken the time to kind of understand your niche and and position that in your outreach messages and how you communicate with these people? Because my my follow-up to that is if somebody's 30, 40, 50, and they're just trying to get into this now, and maybe they don't have much of a brand, they have a nine to five, they didn't start personal development at 17, right? They have all of these other things that are limiting beliefs and excuses for them. What sort of work would you advise somebody to put in? Maybe before doing this, or is there just just shoot your shot and figure it out as you go, right? What what would be your advice there from maybe your perspective, and then also the perspective of somebody in that position?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of a two part. There is like when when I thought for me when I first get, got started, it was it was more difficult, but that was the reason I started. I made a hundred episodes solo to show the people that when they want to come on my podcast, I'll use Seth Godin for example because he's just a great example. He will only go on podcasts that had over hundred episodes, and I knew that. And so I didn't reach out to him until 160 episodes. Did so, you know that? Did you know that in advance?
0: I wow. did. Wow. Okay.
1: And so I, and so I'm not going to reach out to him and, until I have at least hundred episodes. And so it just gives, cause like you said earlier, like most people don't get past seven episodes. Most people don't get past like that. Seven is so easy, man. I did like, I did three within my first week and, and it's easy because I felt compelled to do it. And so that's for many people is if you feel like the next podcast is like, all right, that's it. Well, then what about the next one? Like, I'm doing this because I don't ever want there to be an end. I'm never going to be not curious about someone. There's, There's an infinite amount of people that I can reach out to and want to speak to and gain some kind of knowledge from and provide value to my audience for. And so thinking of it through that lens is just being able to recognize that people need some kind of proof that you are going to continue most people don't get don't have that proof most people are going to reach out when they have 50 episodes or whatever that looks like i already had 100 episodes done before i even reached out to my first guest so that gives me proof um and then for someone out there that needs to think well like what do i have to provide to that person maybe maybe i'm not younger i don't have that audience is think of the mission that you want to provide like i from the beginning i always thought like you can too it just aligned so much with me it was an affirmation that i almost told myself because i seen people doing amazing things in the world that were once told that they couldn't do it And so anyone that has done anything in life was once told that they couldn't do something and then they made it happen. And anything that was like the chair that I'm sitting on was once thought as not an idea until someone thought maybe we need places to sit. And so think of that in every single thing in life is everyone has a story that they're telling themselves about themselves and about the world and what's possible. And if we're able to change that story, well, then we're able to change our life and able to change the world in its entirety. And so I think a lot of people resonate with that because a lot of people recognize that the story that we tell ourselves derives the direction of our life. I think that's really important. So finding a mission, maybe it's not the audience that you have, but just finding a mission that that person uh, can align with. And I think that that's what I've done pretty well.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And I, I've had a realization recently, and, and I'd love to get your your feedback on this, because I think y- you'd appreciate this. We all want to have the Seth, Seth Godins and, and the amazing authors of the world on our podcast. But the mutual mentor of ours actually shared a topic that that recently came back to me in, in journaling I was doing the other day on a scale of one to 10, if Seth Godin, the personal development world is a nine or a 10, right? And let's say you're a five compared to him, right? It's like, you're a lot more relatable to that person starting their journey than a Seth Godin, right? And you're probably more accessible than a Seth Godin, right? So I've had this thought recently where in my industry, I'm in the solar industry, Um, there's some guys that that I brought in and girls that, that are just coming in straight off the ground two, three weeks in a month in, and they're just killing it. And they're so close to all these people that have limiting beliefs that are just, I could never do sales. I could never do commission. I could never put myself in that unsafe quote unquote situation. And I've actually been interviewing those people more. And I'm actually finding that those people are way more relevant and, and those interviews are way more impactful for people Then almost the Seth Godin's of the world, right? Not to by any means downplay that, but I'd love to get your take and your feedback on that because I feel like that's a group of people that are kind of like neglected in the podcast world where it's like, until you've achieved X, Y, and Z, like you're not a quote unquote worthy guest, but I've actually found that I'm enjoying the conversations and and the conversations are getting a lot more traction on the episodes I'm posting with people that are a little bit newer and fresh out because they've just recently overcome the fear. What's your, what's your take on that? I think that's so important.
1: Uh, I love that man. And I I think the reason that I shoot for say Seth Godin or Gary Brecker are the people that are, you know, the big faces in the world is because I am young. And so I have the thought process that they might've had a 20 years ago per se. And so many, uh, podcasters are not going to try to bring the perspective that I'm going to bring because not many podcasters are 20 years old, right? 200 episodes in. And so when I bring, I want to bring humility to those people. Like the last question I ask every single guest is what belief are you currently unlearning? Because I want that to bring down from the the, uh, position that they put themselves in uh, and just bring them down a little bit and recognize that we're all still going through something. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished. And so that's what I always try to provide through the podcast. But you doing it in that way where... Many people, you're right, is like we, not a lot of people can get value from someone when they're so far ahead. And sometimes you need someone that's just right near where you are, maybe even two steps ahead of where you are to actually gain the value because sometimes you don't know what you don't know and trying to gain value from someone that's 20 chapters ahead and you're just not even close to that. You're not even going to understand anything to get value from it. So I think that's very valuable. When I first started, that's what I did. I have had one of my first mentors on.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I've just, I've been to a bunch of Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone stuff, right? All the conferences, Lewis Howells, all that stuff that that you and I value tremendously. And I look around in a lot of those conferences and I see people that you could just see this look in their face that they're like, it's so amazing to be in that energy, but it's like, there's not going to be a lot of action after that because it's like, this person is so far away from me. It almost like further reinforces my limiting beliefs that they're so much better than me that I should actually go a different direction. Cause this is just like unattainable to me, but just to go back to what you just said, when you surround yourself with a network of people that are only a few steps ahead of you, that, you know, struggled for years with the exact same things you're struggling with. I find personally, that's so much more motivational and aspirational to me than anything else. And it took me a while. I'm 34 now. It took me a little while to understand that because we're, we're, you know, social media and everybody, right, puts that on such a pedestal yeah. that I, I think it's hard to, to unlearn that. But that's been such a shift for me. And in most of my episodes that I'm going to post over the next few months after this one, it's going to be a lot of people that most people have never heard of. And the confidence, like when I got done interviewing my, my buddy Dario Hernandez, whose episode is going to come out here shortly, I, I felt so energized. And I know that he's going to share that with his network. And he's like, dude, I never thought I'd be on a podcast. And it's like the empowerment of him being able to share that with his network of people that probably share a similar belief and inspire those people. Then I just, I saw such a ripple effect of influence from that, from simply giving a person a platform that otherwise wouldn't have had one. So I I just think something like that is so powerful. So, in, in just in closing here, I, I I mean, forty minutes flew by with with you and I, and I knew it would. It's, yeah, I want to ask you that question that you ask all of your podcast interviews. So, James, what is one belief that you are unlearning right now?
1: Hmm. You know, every time because I've been on a bunch of podcasts and people always ask that question. And I'm always in the same position that the guest that I have on my show is I don't know how to answer that immediately. And that's why I ask it. I think a, a belief that I'm unlearning is. Hmm, I don't want to give you just a straight up answer. If I don't, if I don't have it right here. I love that you're a bit stumped. This is amazing. Yeah. It's a tough question, man. I don't know. Um, I think a belief that I'm unlearning is, I think it's just, Letting go of what I have to make room for what can be. Um, getting really caught up in the everyday kind of thing is amazing and it gets you really in the place of action, 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 action. But sometimes it definitely can be difficult to see, well, what do I want five years down the road from now? Um, what could life look like in 10 years from down the road from now? Because I'm still thinking about me in my car. You know what I mean? And so even though I'm speaking with people like this, the Imposter syndrome, I don't really resonate with the imposter syndrome aspect of it, but just more so the possibility of it. Uh, And that's going back to, I think most authors write their book for them uh, and most podcasters uh, have a mission that aligns with them. And the you can too is just something I'm continuously trying to reinforce to myself. Um, And so just unlearning that belief or the, the mindset that has held me back thus far. Uh, just continuing to let go of the parts of myself that want to hold me back and uh, step into the version of myself that can create that next level of life for
0: myself. That's powerful. And I have to ask you one more question. I'm sorry. I know that was, I love it, dude. I love it. What advice, if you could go back and give yourself, I guess, one piece of advice, right? Whether it's you talking to yourself or, you know, you have so many coaching clients and people that come to you and there's always that underlying thread, right? It's like, what's that one piece of advice, that one little gold nugget that you often find yourself sharing, again, either with yourself or in a common thread with your clients? Like, what's that one thing that you feel like often stands out that you have to remind yourself and and people of often?
1: I'm going to say the one thing that I had a reel that went the most viral reel I ever made, and it resonates so much with me at my core that I'll say that the the emphasis of that, because it resonated with so many people, Mm -hmm. is that you are not your idea of yourself. Like there is who you are and there's who you think you are. And that is a massive difference because if you ever have a conversation with someone and someone like my mom's always been able to see something in me that maybe I wasn't able to see in myself when I was younger. You probably have a, a friend or someone that can see something in you that you cannot see in yourself. And the reason for that is because they are not labeling you the way that you label yourself. Maybe you see yourself as an unco- uh, an unconfident person, maybe an anxious person, whatever that is. We place these labels on ourselves like they are who we are, but that's not who you are. That is your perception of yourself. And when you're able to recognize that who you think you are and who you actually are, are, two separate people, and you're actually able to step into who you actually are, instead of that idea of yourself that you've created based on your programming from your past experiences and the conclusions that you've come to, it will change the direction of your life. And that's why when I invested into myself, everything changed because I let go of the scared person that I grew up as. And saying, playing myself is almost like the not the main character of my own life. And when I invested into myself and I stepped into posting content and making a podcast, uh, I became the, the main character of my life, the person that actually was in control. And so uh, I think that's just something that a lot of people need to be aware of because we identify with our thoughts and our feelings so much that it will corrupt our life. And I think that that needs to be, no matter how old you are, no matter what you do, or no matter how aware you are, that'll always come back to you.
0: Yeah, if you're stuck, you're stuck in a story. That's it. Absolutely. That's so powerful. Well, James, I knew this would be an incredible conversation. Every single time I I get to have a conversation with you, it's 30, 40 minutes, an hour flies by in in the blink of an eye. So if you stuck around for this entire episode, I'm I'm sure you felt a similar way because this conversation was just jam-packed with value. So James, you can too. Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? Just leave us off with that because I'm sure people are going to want to dive deeper into you and your story and and connect with you. So how can people find you before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James Bracken IV on all socials. So, uh, Instagram, Twitter, wherever that may be, that's where I'll be. And then the, you can to podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, that's where I'll be, man. Thank you so much for your time. You're awesome.
0: Yeah, dude, do nothing but love for you, man. I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. Like and subscribe so you never miss another episode. And we'll continue to keep bringing valuable interviews and solo podcasts with people like James here. So James, thank you again for your time and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Thank you, brother.